Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Midnight Fright Cast. We are on episode seven tonight. Uh, this is Tom, and with me is Patrick, and of course, Josh. Can you guys uh, say hello? Hello. That was Patrick. Hola. That was <laughs> Senor Josh. Senor Josh. Yeah. And Greg is on sabbatical this evening. Um, where's Greg at again? Do we know? He's, he's in class because oh, he goes to school. Wait, wait a minute. Greg? He's actually getting an education. I don't believe that because <laughs> from what I know about Greg, he has no class. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, well why, that's why he's going to class. Well, that's why he's going to film school. Uh, right. So so tonight um, we are going to do a couple of uh, topics. We are going to first talk about an interesting film called Audition. And this film was, uh, Patrick actually has some of the stats on it. I believe it was done in 2002. Was that right? 1999. Oh, 2000. This is 2000. Okay. That, that may have been when it was released on DVD. Oh, okay. And uh, it is an interesting uh, horror film. It is kind of a precursor to what we would see today as your torture porn, I would say. And it's uh, not similar to what you'd see today on torture porn. And then the second half of the show, we're going to talk about classic horror music themes. Is that right? Music scores? Music scores. Or we can just talk about torture porn. Or we can just talk about torture. (laughs) Or we can just talk about porn. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So um, if you're not familiar with this movie, just uh, I'm going to give uh, Patrick's going to give some stats. But first, I'm going to give what's on the box here on the couple of the good reviews. New York Times. A great sick rush with a kicker on the level of the vanishing. Okay, but that doesn't really tell you much. Um, okay, we've got Los Angeles Times. Goes even further than the films of Italy's excruciating macabre Dario Gento. Last, Miyaki is brilliant at transforming the mundane and familiar into something sinister and eerie. That last part is what I'm going to talk about when I open up. All right, so a little bit about audition. Uh, Here's the synopsis. A widowed television producer takes an offer to screen women at a special audition so that he can find a new wife. In his search, one particular candidate stands out. After engaging in a relationship with the young woman, he soon discovers that she is not all she appears to be. An audacious, unsettling Japanese horror film, Audition entertains as both a grisly shocker and a psychological drama. Tomato meter rating, 80%. Audience rating, matching that at 80%. IMDb rating, 7.2. And the Metascore, 69%. That is, okay. Those are all so high. I, I I like the movie. Now, it has been a long time since I've seen it, actually, because someone borrowed my version of it. And Guilty. I it back till tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, originally, my friend actually turned me on to this, and so I bought it. And uh, what I wanted to talk about a little bit... In terms of uh, other when I when I say torture porn, I guess I'm talking like um, hostile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about Saul and Eli Ross stuff, yeah, where people are going to be doing some pretty yeah. horrible things. And one of the things that I remember when I watched it that I liked about it was, and probably what Josh hates about it. <laughs> Let's see. Is yeah. It starts off what you would probably call slow. It's the whole th- okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. Okay, keep going. okay. okay. <laughs> Um, whereas I would say it's building a story now, you know, it's uh, a horror movie. So if you're expecting something like hostile or whatever, you're, you're wanting something pretty fast. Um, to me, it's more, it starts off more as a mundane kind of a Hitchcock thriller type thing, but it does take a while. And yes, it is foreign language film. 
Um, but as you find out that this this middle aged guy has some ulterior motives, what he gets into the bargain is not what he thought, and it turns I think pretty. Once it turns, I think it's pretty sinister. Um, the other thing I like about it that's different from the other movies is you're not bombarded with constant editing in terms of visual editing. So it's more suspenseful, I think, in those terms. And you're not bombarded with um, sounds, which I don't mind that either for those movies. But it's just different that it's more, to me, it feels like I am that guy that it's happening to a little bit more because it's more realistic in that way. Yeah. That's what I like about it. Um, any thoughts just on those two points or? No, I, I, I agree with the the long shots. I agree right. with that, that it helped build up that tension just a little bit more that we didn't have to, they didn't have to rely on jump scares. They didn't have to do any of that. But once again, I, I don't think it was the type of movie that needed jump scares or anything no. like that. There was, it was surreal enough that it really to me, it drew me in, but it also probably raised more questions than answered. Like, why is this happening? Why is she is she just crazy? Not or? just that, but like, who's in the bag? Um, yeah, obviously, I like that moment. Oh, you know, it's it's yeah. like it's just a bag. Then you then you're thinking, oh my gosh, it's not gonna be just a bag. Then the, then it starts moving, and then right. you know later on something comes out of it. And then uh, also for me, it's it's it, uh, answering the question of and the way she feeds the man in the bag is interesting, right? And and how much of this is real, and how much of this is dream? His dream or her dream? You think his dream? Okay. Because there are very specific points, and I'll get to those later, um, where I I feel that this the entire second half of the movie is a dream. Huh. I may have to rewatch it. Lo looking at that, um, I felt like it's it's real. It is surreal. With the the thing with the the guy in the bag, um, did you feel like that distracted? To me, that that just showed that she is capable of anything, and and what's going to happen to our protagonist who's not a very good guy protagonist. Um, and yet he is. He is. He's lonely. It's he's not he's like extremely he's lonely. He, do... he loved his wife yes. incredibly. He's a very good father. Even though that that relationship, especially in Japanese culture, culture was weird because it was the son guiding the father instead of the father guiding the yeah. son. So I, I, I liked his character, but again, what he was doing and the premise for what he did was really shitty. Yeah, yeah. What's your <laughs> go ahead? Go ahead. Josh. I'm just I'm enjoying go sitting on. over here just watching y'all banter because uh, <laughs> no, it just wasn't what she's it uh, looking for. Her. You warned me that it was slow. Yeah. So yeah. I knew going into it that it was going to be slow. It I it it for me it never moved. Okay. For me it was just like watching a snail run a race against a bunch of other snails. It just never did nothing ever like for me like nothing ever went nothing ever picked up. And I was, so here's the problem for me in foreign films. I have to watch foreign films twice. Okay. I have to watch it to read it. And then I feel like while I'm reading it, I'm missing visuals. Yeah. And that's so in a show like, yeah. then I go back and I watch it a second time. Cause now I kind of know what's going on. Uh, so I watched the visuals and I didn't get to do that second watch. Not because I didn't have time, but I really didn't want to. I don't think I could have made it through a second time. And it's not even this, it's this, uh, this movie or it's fault. Like there's two foreign films I've made it through 
where I didn't have to watch it twice. Like I was able to read it and watch it at the same time. And so um, I felt like I missed a lot in audition and you guys were talking about the dreams and everything. I just felt like, and this is maybe where I miss things, but for me, like the timeline was all over the place in this movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, at some of those points, I was like, what is going on? Uh, like there's a whole big like scene that goes on and then he wakes up and then he's back in that scene. And I was just like, I do not know what is going on in this movie at all. I was just, I was confused for quite a bit of it. The other thing that you warned me about was the, um, how uh, graphic it got with uh, some of the um, uh, things that she did to the guy. And I was kind of let down. You built it up like it was going to be this, like, really just... And it was awful. Don't get me wrong. It was <laughs> awful. But I was just like, I was like, well, was that it? So... See, I, I see what you're saying. I think what I meant to say on that was, to me, these kinds of things are scarier just because when... Like I'm saying, when there's so much editing, for me personally, I, I, I don't get scared anymore. I'm just like, well, yeah. I can't even see what's going on. I got you. It's just <laughs> noise. And, right. and and what I meant was the anticipation of what's going to happen to him. I got you. That to me was That was makes what, more sense. Yeah. But you're right. It's not nearly in terms of what people do to each other in Hostel. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Um, but I but it's, it's the fact also that it's this, this seemingly demure girl that all um, of a sudden is yeah uh, yeah but yeah i mean you, there's something wrong you yeah. know there's something wrong this is this is broken goods from the beginning you don't <laughs> yeah. think that's that's what's i mean you do because you know it's a horror movie but i don't think you would think that just from meeting anyone yeah but i from, yeah off. but from starting to watch it i i didn't read any synopsis beforehand so i didn't know that she was the one i'm sitting there going okay who's gonna be is, is he gonna like find five or six different women and torture them or what oh, i didn't yeah he yeah. might be the one I, yeah, yeah oh, with, well, without knowing good, anything about that's the movie good. so so that's why when i started watching her i'm going oh she's the yeah yeah she's yeah, the yeah. one so and, and then i was like it could this have been more of a revenge film? But there's no revenge to take because. But, no, but there, did, but did there he is do anything the, the to her thing to make be, her like this. The only thing would be is is that she really thought it was an audition. No, oh. I but but I took it even further because she supposedly had been molested and yeah. scarred and all this other stuff. So but it's not, not by him. I don't think. But not I, by him. By but, her father. By her right. uncle, uncle yeah. father, yeah. whatever that is. Revenge on all men. Yeah. Well, but, that would explain the guy in the back. Too. Right, but they're talking about okay. Her manager ends up missing. Yeah. And supposedly two other people were missing that are, were in her life. So is she taking revenge out on any man or maybe every man? Men with authority. Maybe. Or men with authority. Or men that I really, yeah. to tell you the truth, I walked away from this movie thinking it was a complete statement on the way that men objectify women especially japanese women yeah yeah, and the consequences of that in a more modern society yeah because because i felt it was very much her saying look if you're going to commit to me then you commit to me and (laughs) and when it doesn't happen you know fatal attraction here we go and she is committed to him oh completely (laughs) i mean yeah. In her weird way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Completely. It's not a, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. overall, like, it was like, does this movie, did this movie know what it wanted to be kind of thing for me? Like, it, it's like it didn't know where it wanted to live. I think probably the director definitely did because it was it was consistent from beginning to end. 
And that's why I'd like to uh, see the, the director's comments on the DVD to mm-hmm. see what what he felt it was from yeah, the yeah. beginning. Mm-hmm. Is that the only one who's on the comments? I, I don't know. I haven't looked oh. at the case. So. Okay. Um, you know, and I had written down myself, Tom, you had talked about this as yep, torture porn and I wrote that down and said, would this film be considered torture porn? But I've seen, like doc- but I've seen documentaries on torture porn and that gets really, really bad. I well, mean. it depends how you define it though too. Are you talking about like, like this doesn't push the envelope in terms of like what we've seen in any other horror movie. Right. But again, um, I keep going back to hostile. Uh, it becomes so unreal, unbelievable, I guess, the way that that movie shot. I, I guess it just doesn't become as scary to me, especially right. Hostel 2, which gets really ridiculous with <laughs> one woman bathing in that blood or whatever. Do you remember that? Yeah. Scene? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's when I was like, OK, now we're just trying to do each other as opposed to telling a story. Well, and re- this could be and I just looked it up. So this came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This may have been kind of the precursor. That's what I was too. Right. Torch, I mean, torture porn, if you want to call it that. Well, what's, who, uh, because who's the director Hostel of Hostel again? Eli Roth. Roth. I guarantee you he's yeah, seen this movie. I mean, he did that in 2005. Right. And I think Saul came, came around out. after, I mean, easily after that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it could have been the precursor to what became kind of torture porn here like a, in the U.S. A bridge you know, between people, psychological horror and just. Uh, and yeah. people see that and go, okay, they did that. How much further can I go sure. without going completely off the cliff? And, you know, you see, I can totally see that scene at the end where she does what she does. I, we can give spoilers. This movie is almost oh, 20 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, where she takes the the razor wire and yeah. starts cutting through his foot. Yeah. Ouch. And yeah. I get it. Like, that's it's rough to watch. But if you've seen other things in other movies, that's barely even close to... Like you said, describing hostile, they mm-hmm. do crazy things in that movie. But uh, like I said, this could be the, the the precursor to what was okay to do in those kinds of movies, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, do you think that she was seeking a victim or seeking a monogamous relationship dedicated relationship i think it's stronger and maybe the movie did do a good enough job about it i think it's stronger that she goes in there not seeking a victim okay i I mean if i was directing it i would make that more clear i i I just don't know why out of the blue she would attend an audition yeah she wasn't an actress she used to be a ballerina yeah yeah but and so maybe they didn't develop that part of the story well enough to explain why she went to this particular audition other than saying I'm going to meet someone and this is my, once again, referring back to fatal attraction. I think it's scarier that if she's just opportunistic and she happens to find herself in a place where, Oh, did they, I can do my crazy did they, stuff. I, I can't remember. Did they know what they were auditioning for? They think it's for a commercial, a commercial actor. <sighs> to tell you the truth. I don't really know. Okay. I thought it was for like nope, a it, film. It says for, yeah, a, film for a film audition. Yeah. So how did that transition work in between you're auditioning for a film, but here's a surprise. You're really, this is what you really auditioned for. And I, I, I think he ended it. up telling her, and I may be remembering this correctly, ended up telling her that somebody else got the part. Yeah. Okay. But he still found her 
you know, gotcha. yeah, yeah. intriguing. But okay. he was doing the whole thing to find a woman. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was. Yeah. Yeah. And but, do, you, do you think he would have done it if it wasn't suggested by his creepy friend? I don't know. I, I don't think I, don't, I honestly don't think he would have gone and done that. I think he would have just stayed. Victim. I think he just would have stayed a widower. He seemed like he was very happy. Just him and his son uh-huh. living together. He was more worried about his son finding love or whatever. So you can and, blame it on the son then because the son told him you need to go out and do something about this. I totally blame it on the kid. Yeah. OK, we have to mention we just have to mention the feeding because I found that pretty horrifying. Uh, remind me, Tom, because again, it's been a little while. So the the guy in the bag is she oh doesn't, yeah, she doesn't feed him. Yeah, well, she does, but she makes it so he's very hungry, and then she regurgitates food yeah. into a bowl. Yeah, and when she gives it to him, he he could care less. He's yeah. so hungry. Yeah, that to me that. That kind of stuff, I don't know what it is about that kind of stuff, <laughs> scares me more than than lots of other things. I don't know why. I just, huh. The depravity of someone doing that and then knowing that guy must have not eaten for days in order to lap it up like that. It was just, <laughs> that's hard for me to watch. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, but you saying that brings me back to the question, who's the guy in the bag? Who do you think it is? I just, don't think we know. Just some random guy, or could it have been one of the people that he talked about? The could, the, could the, the like, manager, the Oh, I see what you mean. One of the missing guys. Right. Not the not the guy's friend that set up the Yeah, not him. Nah, nah, well, it was pretty obvious it wasn't. And yeah. it does it explain why he's in the bag ever? I think that's just just it's just he's her pet. Okay. That's that's kind of how I got that's it. The way I I, got that's the way it. I read it. See, I just wish there's it's things like that that I wish, like, I don't need to be spoon fed, don't give me I wrong, know, but, but like, maybe, or I would like to know why is that guy in that bag? Well, and also being a foreign film, part of me was going, is this symbolism or is this real? Oh, I thought yeah. it was real. I thought it was and one of the, the I, I think it's real as well. The manager people or whatever. However, and yeah, I don't know. That's that's what I assumed was just that <laughs> it was a pet. I mean, she's obviously clearly, <clears throat> clearly insane. I, you had final thoughts? Just a couple things. There, there was some things that make me think. Going back to one of my first comments, thinking that this was two thirds his dream, because there's things that happen in there that I'm sitting there wondering how does he get away with? Because there was a part where he molested his son's girlfriend, and how did that quite? How did he quite get away with that? And then. So, so the way I was reading it is that everything was kind of from his point of view. Her sitting and waiting for the phone to ring was him was his idea of what she's doing. She's so intrigued with me that she's just sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. Mm-hmm. So I, I started thinking, is are these all his interpretations? So then they they go away. Well, he's pretty sick then. Oh, he's extremely sick. <laughs> so the they go away on this vacation together. And it's not until he falls asleep that we start seeing this really weird shit happen. Mm -hmm. And that happens until he wakes up and he said, oh, okay, everything's fine. Goes back to sleep. Weird shit happens again all the way to the end of the movie. Yeah. So there's part of me thinking, is this all a dream of him feeling guilty about what he's done and what could happen to him because of what he's done? Hmm. Um. 
we need to look at that director commentary. Yeah, I mean, it, it just... Yeah, that, that all fits. There's also a director I mean, interview on here, too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Select scene, director commentary, director interview. Director introduction. So, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you, I this movie intrigued me more than a lot of them that we've seen in a while. Josh, you could have chosen Spanish subtitles. Yeah, I don't think that would have gone as well either. Uh, so I'll mention the two movies. I, was, I know we're, try, we're talking about this movie, but the two movies, the only two movies, of uh, foreign films I've ever been able to get through, just reading it and being able to watch the uh-huh. the film is uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. And I just watched Train to Busan mm. and it's like fire. It's yeah. So... Uh, I don't know. Usually, uh, foreign films that I have seen, it's rough for me. I have to watch them twice. So, uh, but all that made sense. The dream stuff that makes that like now that makes perfect sense to me. When I was watching it and nodding off, I was like, I, "Well, and and that also kind of explains some of the weird jumps when we were sitting on Am I in the past? Am I in the future? Am I in the yeah. now? Timeline's Things like that crazy. because it it kind of followed the timeline of how dreams happen." Um. So it would be, that's why I'm saying I can't wait to, to, mm-hmm. to see these commentaries, uh, to get his interpretation of what it was. So, um, so wrapping it up, Josh, what were your thoughts? Um, final thoughts. It's a, it's a, it's, uh, I would see it. I'm glad I watched it. I had that Tom gave it to me. Um, and I'm glad that, and I, and I had let it sit for a while. So I'm glad we chose it to cover on, on the broadcast, but. I don't think it's a second watch film. I, I would recommend it to people who like horror films and mm-hmm. who like foreign films because uh, they would enjoy this. But uh, again, it's it's not a second watch for me. Compare it to Grudge, Ring, uh, the, yeah. the Japanese versions. Uh, even those I would put ahead of this. Yeah. One. Okay. Yeah. Just All right. me. Uh, my last thoughts are, uh, I, I'm just going to say this, while the theme of the movie I felt was the objectification of women and the possible retribution, I, I, I truly believe that the moral of the movie is just don't date creepy people. <laughs> but how do you know? Like, how do you know? <laughs> oh, once, once you start seeing things, be... you say, hey, sayonara, yeah. you know. All right. Tom, are uh, you going to wrap it up with your final thoughts on it? No, my final th- Final thoughts is just that uh, I like the the bridge of um, the psychological thriller moves into horror and then what we have now today, which is more just like Josh was saying, we don't have that first 45 minutes. It's just we get right into it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just an interesting film in that way that it kind of bridges those two areas. I will in my defense also or in the defense of the movie, actually, not my defense. I have. Very little patience. Very like my patience and my attention span is crazy short. So if it doesn't rocket fire like right into my brain and I have to wait, mm-hmm. it it I get it just I go off on brain tangents and it I don't the movie just doesn't work for me. So, no, I, I I myself wrote down that it was a, a slow burner and it took for me it took forever to get going, but once it did captivated me the and entire see, time and, and see and i like those kind of movies I, I i'm the same way with you i have a, a horrible attention span but 
it's the exact opposite. If I start seeing so much editing, I'm bored to tears. Okay. And, and you've lost me because it's like there's no more story. Now it's just show me images. And that's where I get kind of lost. But, okay. but this is a little slow in the beginning. I, I will admit it takes a while to figure out what's going on. So, well, cool. That was a good um, conversation. Um, the I'll let Patrick me or no, was it your idea for the second? Oh yeah, day? we can, we can, uh, we can go into that. I don't want to start though, um, <laughs> but I will, I will. Um, why don't you, why don't you introduce the section? Is there a yeah. segue from audition to so, this? Yeah. I don't think there is. An, well, uh, some people audition for singing and singing. There's a lot of music. Oh and, no, I will make a segue. Oh, oh I can't okay. Wait. Okay. It's not, it's not brilliant, but I'll make one. <laughs> we'll take uh, it. One of the things I liked about this film or not, that was different about this film as well is the score. The score is not, again, um, it's, it's, I don't know if subtle's the right word, but it's, it's more about presenting a mood as opposed to like, here's a shocking moment. You know, it's not, um, it, it's probably boring in a way that way, but it's more like a psychological thriller. Yeah. Well, speaking oh. of scores, Tom. Oh, okay. I mean- well, actually one thing I want to <laughs> add to this whole thing is, um, uh, and I'm probably going to mess up your segue here. Oh, that's okay. I lost it anyway. Uh, there was a, a remake of Audition in 2006. Oh, there was. Yeah. An English version of it. That I would actually oh. watch. So I don't know where it's available or anything like that, but I did see that there was. I'm intrigued to Ooh, see that. I am too. Um, it might help. Very interesting. But they're never as good. They're never as good as the original. They usually aren't. And uh, it's a cultural thing too. So that's going to be different that's, than this. It, that's a really good point. So that's a really good point. I mean, yeah. So uh, speaking of scores, speaking speaking of of scores, scores, did uh, you guys get to see the score of last night's basketball game? Speaking of scores. (laughs) Um, So tonight the uh, topic uh, to cover is, uh, I guess, popular or favorite uh, theme songs. Is that is that right? Or scores? Yeah. Sorry, scores from your favorite horror films. Um, as usual, I wrote down five and Patrick wrote down 900,000. So I've got we like three might let him go first just so he can cover. I had 900,000. I rounded it down to he'll, 10. He'll, yeah. he'll cover all of us. He's going to cover. Oh, I, th- I think yeah, so. He's going to cover all the ones that I wrote down. Don't cheat so, off my sheet. So, <laughs> Shit. So why don't you guys go with, over. why don't you guys go with your list first? I can scratch it off my list and I can add mine on. One thing I got to say about film scores though is, is. Film scores make or break a movie. Yeah, and you, they do. Yeah, and you sent a message out the other day. Oh, there's like, a movie I watched called Crazy Eight. Yeah, uh, I watched it, and the 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 score ruined the film because it was counteractive to what was happening on the screen. Yeah. I couldn't believe they sat back and said that was good. If you watch a movie, some of these movies even on our list without the score, I don't even think they're half as scary. Mm-mm. I think the score is what you know, builds a lot of the tension anyway. Exactly. So, um, I, do you want to start Tom since you have three? I only have like three. You can um, cover be, three of my five and then not, I don't think this is an important subject, but I, uh, I forgot we were covering this one today. Oops. So, um, I'm going off just my knowledge of uh, films. Um, okay. Well, obviously there's Hitchcock movies. Um, most famous being Bernard Herrmann psycho. Um, but you are a huge fan of Hitchcock. You every time we talk to you on the broadcast, you bring. I'm pretty sure you've brought up Hitchcock every single Hitchcock. time you've been on. So I, I'm pointing that out. I just rewatched Rope last night. Um, uh, Hitchcock used him a lot, and uh, obviously with Psycho, it's the famous. Yep. But um, if you look at the whole film, 
it it really does do what Patrick was talking about and sets up each mood <clears throat> is different. So each scene that has a different mood. So if you don't know the movie, when she's stealing stuff and she's trying to get away in the car, you think it's an action adventure type, you know, and then when it turns into horror, it's totally different. And he also scored, I was saying, Brendan Palma got him, I believe, for Carrie um, and a couple other movies. Uh, so that's that's a famous one. I do mention Hitchcock you, too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Since you brought up uh, Psycho and the music for Psycho, did anybody watch Bates Motel? I started it and it's really good. I just haven't. Did any of that mu- any of that music carry over that you can remember, or is there wow. any like is there any like it's, it's got the same feel I yes. guess as Psycho it, uh, score wise. It does. They, they don't have. I haven't gotten farther along in it. Where they have the shocking music, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the other stuff I believe does. Um, you know, now that you mentioned that, um, the uh, the Exorcist TV series does use stuff yes. from yes. Um, the movie. Yeah, uh, that's another pretty classic uh, score. Um, and of course, I'll mention Rosemary's Baby. Of course. I love the score. Hitchcock that. and Rosemary's Baby. That is Tom's cup of tea. I love the score for that. It's this creepy, like, well, it's actually her singing it. Um, the and, other, and the name of the composer is Christophe Cometa. For? For Rosemary's oh, Baby. Oh, Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Also known as Christopher. Um, of course, he's not famously known for this, but uh, John Williams' Jaws score, of course, has to be in there. Yeah. Um. He you didn't. sunk my battleship. Oh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> he got three of mine. Uh, um, and three for three. I did, Like I said, I didn't do my, my homework. So I'm trying to think of uh, movies I've seen recently. I'll, maybe I'll jump in later. I've got. I just can't think of the uh, composers. But anyway. Yep. I only wrote down three of the five of the composers because uh, I got lazy. Um, but. Uh, I, uh, you mentioned the exorcist, but I'll bring it up again. That's on my list. The exorcist is a a classic theme from, uh, I'm pretty sure you can, uh, anybody can really hear it horror fan or not and point it out. So that was on my list. Uh, uh, Mike Oldfield did that. Um, the, uh, theme from a nightmare on, uh, nightmare on most, if I can talk a nightmare on Elm street, I always like it uh, that always uh, kind of sets a good mood. Um, I'm going to bring up, you brought up Jaws. That was on my list. Um, Cause again, I don't even think you have to be a fan to hear that and just know what it's from. Um, John Carpenter Halloween. Mm, yeah. That's just uh and he writes his own. Yeah. And his, I don't know if you've heard John Carpenter's lost tapes, but it's a whole bunch of themes that he wrote that he's never used, and they're all just crazy good. And I know Escape from New York isn't a horror movie, but he did the music for that too. I think he does. He does. I think all yeah, of the stuff, yeah. yeah, and that's pretty memorable. And Halloween, if you watch uh, all the Halloween movies, it changes. It changes that much, mm-hmm. but it changes in every every single Halloween movie. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. And then the last one I wrote down isn't horror. It's, eh, eh, I don't know. Um, but the theme song to uh, Stranger Things uh, will always. Do they do, is that an 80s type? 
It's um, the the Netflix original Stranger Things. I, I, I love right. I love yeah. the series. But he's asking, is it, does it sound like eighties music? It's, it's that synth. It's that synth synthesizer. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 it's. Uh, I mean, that every time I hear that, it gets me jazzed to watch that. I mean, that show already is good, mm-hmm. but that theme song is crazy good. So. That show is ninety eight percent good. Yeah, I I bet you if you give me a second, I can guess the other two percent that you don't think is good. But uh, I'm not going to mention her name. Yeah, yeah. You she's been she's been through enough. <laughs> uh, you talking about uh, Winona Ryder, who was just drunk at the awards? She yeah. was drunk, stoned, or just mentally insane. I don't know that which. Matthew girl. Modine was literally holding, holding her, her up. up. <laughs> that poor, was poor like, girl. What are you doing? Come and that on. guy gave such a brilliant speech, yeah. and yeah. it was totally. <laughs> I I stopped listening and just started watching her and I'm going God, now his speech is a meme yeah yes so, <laughs> it's too bad this incredible powerful speech is a meme but hey well run composers has nothing to do with horror necessarily in terms of what we were talking about story wise yeah Ennio Morricone is the best of all time he does all the westerns oh yeah um, and he's on my list because he did the thing. Oh, he did do the thing. Okay. Yep. He and John Carpenter together worked on the thing. He is so phenomenal. He is phenomenal. Okay. I, you guys actually knocked off about half my list. So um, I've got to I've got to talk about, first of all, Tom, you mentioned John Williams for Jaws. Mm-hmm. One great thing about John Williams and what he does and, and, and his contemporaries is thematic composing. And what that means is almost every character – has their own song. Any yeah. Miller Corny does exactly. You thing. know who's entering yeah. just by the music. Yeah. It's he's he's incredible. Um, my wife and I talk about this all the time with uh, the effects music have on movies. Um, so, uh, with mentioning my wife and that, I could I would be remiss to not mention uh, Alien uh, with uh, Jerry Goldsmith working on the original Alien movie, and then James Horner working on Aliens. Um, very powerful. Uh, some people may disagree with me on this one, but the score for Hellraiser. Yeah, I just watched that the other night. Randomly, I just watched I Hellraiser it. off Netflix, and yeah. And I don't, I don't know if this guy's done anything else. I'm sure he probably has, but Christopher Young for Hellraiser, Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. was somewhat thematic throughout the the movie with Charles Bernstein doing that. Uh, this one, I, I don't consider this horror, but it's still. Uh, Walter Carlos or Wendy Carlos after the gender recorrect, uh, recorrection, uh, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Tom's face. <laughs> and James Bernard, Hammer Horror Films. He did tons of music for Hammer Horror, uh, most notably Horror of Dracula. If you heard that, you know what movie, you, you know. Okay. Uh, and that's a little bit older, but... Um, he was a staple for Hammer. That's okay. That's older. Yeah. So that's my list in addition to all of yours. Smashed that topic out really we, quick. Tonight. We sure did. I mean. uh, but, uh, you know, it's <laughs> a, it was a topic that I was, uh, I'm, I'm always curious about, especially, I, I, I've been wanting to talk about that for a few weeks now, but it, it works even better because you brought up the, uh, the whole music being able to ruin or the mm-hmm. sound score being able to ruin a movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I 100% completely mm-hmm. agree with. Yeah. 
So the, uh, I watched a documentary with um, <clears throat> Spielberg and Williams, and he uh, actually films his stuff and then sends it to Williams. Yeah. So that's how good Williams is, is he's able to take the, the story and the characters and make it happen. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, here's, you know, a bunch of music I got, some ideas I have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love watching him compose because uh, he sits there with, you know, he's watching on a big screen, writing the music mm-hmm. as he's watching. It's just amazing to watch him work. Yeah, that's the way to, I mean, obviously the way to do it really is you score to mm-hmm. compose to the, right. the film. So you get that that feeling to it. But uh, a lot of films now also, when you go watch extra features, touch at least a little bit now on the music of the movie and you get a kind of get an idea of what that composer was thinking or feeling while they were scoring the film. So it's becoming a bigger part, I think, of film than or at least something to talk about more than I think it used to be. So uh, I am getting that uh, it's time to do plugs signal. So, uh, Tom, do you have any plugs you want to you want to drop? Um, yeah, I want people to come see my reading. Of the monster, no, the murder mystery monster mayhem of Manchester Manor. That will be April 9th, Sunday, 2 p.m. at the Haymarket Theater. Oh, you're doing it at the Haymarket? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, we have a few things. We're on Midnight Fry Films on Facebook. We obviously are on the Midnight Fry cast on Facebook. You can go to Midnight Fry Films and find us every, all, all of our stuff on Midnight Fry Films. Our YouTube page, uh, we're on the gram of Insta. And uh, anything else that I missed? No, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, We're going to be moving into our next project here relatively quickly. Uh, Our uh, entry into the Prairie Lights Film Festival 2017. Um, And really looking forward to getting started on that. I know we're jonesing to start shooting. Yes. We're going to be hitting our locations, doing some scouting there, walking through. Yeah, we're a week out from walking through the location. Yep. And then hopefully that read through in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So it's it's it came along very well. It's it's coming along very well. So and far. The location is the same place, right? Yes. Should we plug them again or not? The Haymarket, Haymarket Theater. Theater. Yeah. yeah. So said so thanks to Patrick because he got uh, actors to come together very quickly and thanks to Tom for bringing the locations and to Jason together. for actually Jason, yep. making the, yep. the location happen. So, so this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun, yep. uh, fun, sh- uh, fun shoot. So, all right. I think that's it. Tom, yeah. you want to wrap it up or who's going to wrap it up? Go Cause, rap, Tom. Cause we, rap su- cause us. Josh and I have proven we suck at wrapping up the <laughs> ends of these podcasts. Wrap it up. Um, on behalf of uh, Josh and Patrick, this is Tom. And thanks for joining us at Midnight Fright Cast, Episode 7. Stay tuned. We'll be having another one in about a week. Peace out, boys. Go. Peace out.